And so today I want to preach to you not so much from the empty tomb, although that's the foundation, not so much from how the Lord appeared to his disciples, but I want to preach to you what is the extension of it all, that this same Jesus shall so come in like manner. Now, the resurrection of Christ establishes for us the facts of his coming again. Christ is going to come again bodily. That's a fact. That is a cardinal doctrine in our gospel. Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher. Today we come to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and to his second coming. Yes, our Lord Jesus is coming again. He's coming for his church, his bride. He purchased her at Calvary. He broke the bonds of death, entered into glory, that he might prepare a place for us. And as he promised, he is coming again to receive us unto himself. This is reason to bow in prayer and praise. And I'm going to call on you now just to unite with me in prayer as we seek the Lord today. Father, we thank thee for this great hope that is given to us in the gospel, the good news that Jesus who died is now risen and ascended to glory, seated on the throne. Lord Jesus, you've promised that you're coming again. You are controlling and commanding all things, and in that appointed hour, the hour that is kept secret from men, thou art coming. And we pray that you will find us busy in your kingdom and that we will be enjoying the blessings of the gospel of the Lord Jesus. So minister to us today and work your will in our hearts as we hear your word in our Savior's name. Amen. Yes, Jesus is alive. And the apostolic ministry was based on the resurrection. Paul's famous argument, if Christ be not risen, then we are of all men most miserable. We are yet in our sins. And then he says in 1 Corinthians 15, 22, but Christ is risen. And because he's risen, he's coming again. It's not over. He's coming again. Are you a believer? Have you accepted the grace, the gospel of the Lord Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, even so come, Lord Jesus, for me? Now, the next thing I see here is the resurrection of Christ establishes the purpose of his coming. It says here, this same Jesus. Jesus. Think of his name. Now, if you were in South America or of some countries, you might find that many people call their children Jesus. There are many boys and men called Jesus, especially in the Spanish-speaking world. And so we have to wonder, who is this Jesus? And of course, our Lord Jesus warned that in the future, many false Christs will appear, and they will say, lo, Christ is here, or lo, Christ is there. Believe them not. Why? Because when the real Jesus appears, 
it will be unmistakable, unmistakable. Why is he coming again? For the same reason that he came the first time, because his name Jesus means Savior. He shall save his people from their sins. And Christ is coming again the second time to gather in the harvest of his church. Why did he go to the cross? Why did he shed his blood? Why did he suffer as a substitutionary lamb in the place of others? Because he was purchasing his church. And he is going to return. He's coming again to gather them home to glory. Now, death is the old enemy of sinners. And if a Savior is really going to save his people, he must not only wash away their sins, write their names in some book in heaven, but he must also give them victory over the sting of death. He must deliver them from the grave and raise them to eternal life. You see, Jesus' work is not done yet. Oh, yes, the work of atonement is done. The work of suffering is over. But the work of building his church and presenting that church to the Father is ongoing. And he shall come again the second time because his name is Jesus. He shall save his people from their sins. And the curse of sin is death. But the gospel, the coming again of Christ, is the answer to death. He's coming to bring his own people home. Would you turn in your Bible with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4? 1 Thessalonians 4. See, I could recite some of these things and I could preach some of these things, but I also believe in the eye gate. I want you to see them in the Bible. I want you to see what the apostle has written for us. And it reasons this so beautifully. We're told in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 14. But if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. See how the resurrection is linked here? Even so, them also which sleep or have died in Jesus, will God bring with him? For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And when we have a brother or sister in the church that is taken by death, and we stand around their grave, and we are to minister the comfort of the gospel, what do we say? We say, one day this grave will open. One day the trumpet shall sound. One day Christ will come and will raise the dead out of the grave. And that which is sown in corruption shall be raised in incorruption. That which has laid in the earth as dust shall be brought into a new body, 
like unto the Lord's body. This is our hope. It's not over. The graves shall open. Christ shall come. And believers shall be brought home. So here's the purpose of his resurrection and his coming. Because his name is Jesus, he shall save his people from their sins. Christ is coming also to establish the white throne of judgment. In this world, it is not a level playing field. In this world, there are many things that are unjust and unfair. Evil is called good, and good is called evil. The righteous seem to be trampled underfoot, while wicked men prosper. But the righteous in this world, well, they're not up to bat yet. Our time has not come. When the Lord descends, there will be the establishment of that white throne, and all will give account of deeds of the body, the words of their mouths, and the judgment will be final. Christ is coming. He came the first time as Savior. He will come again as Savior, and he will come the second time to judge the world. Some people think that the meek and lowly Jesus is incapable of wrath and judgment. In our prayer meetings over the last weeks, we've been going through Mark's gospel. We came to that event in chapter 3 where the Lord was in the synagogue, and there was a man there with a withered hand. The critics were there. They were wondering what Jesus would do in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And the Lord called the man with the withered hand over to him. And the Lord looked around at those critics in the synagogue. And Mark recorded, he looked with anger. Now, that's one of the few places in the Gospels where you read of Jesus' anger. In that same or close to that event, he also went into the temple and he drove out those who had abused and blasphemed the Lord, turning the house of prayer to a place of merchandise. And with whips, he drove out those money changers. They were there for their wealth, not to worship. Do you think that that same Jesus who cleansed the temple, not once but twice, once at the beginning of his ministry and once at the end, the one who sat in that synagogue and looked with anger, do you not think that same Jesus is capable of coming as the judge of all the earth, giving sentence to the wicked who have defied him, sinned against him? And so when Christ comes, that same Jesus will come to judge. That's the purpose of his coming. Now, thirdly, the resurrection establishes for us the power of Christ's coming. Preacher, have you not already demonstrated that? Have you not already shown that? Well, men ask, how can this be done? Will the atoms of the dust from bodies form again into new bodies? Those that are buried in the earth, those that are buried at sea, those that have been reduced to ashes, shall those bodies actually reform, be regenerated? <coughs> well, remember something. 
the Lord who was there to create the world out of nothing, ex nihilo, the Lord who formed Adam and Eve out of the dust in the original creation, shall he not also recreate from the dust, from those very atoms of the body, and create a new body? The resurrection of Christ, the fact that he that was under the power of real death, now remember, it was real death. It was not some kind of a swoon of the body that he was taken from the cross and put in there with still a heartbeat. He was dead. The proof of his death was that Roman spear that brought blood and water from under his heart. The undeniable medical proof of death, blood and water. That body was laid in the tomb. The disciples had given up hope. They had given up hope. The people who had most at stake in his resurrection gave up hope. But he appeared in that same body to the woman to Peter, to the disciples, to Thomas, to the many. He showed himself with infallible proofs, we're told. Now, that same Jesus who raised his own body from the grave, power to lay it down and power to raise it again, shall he not raise us up also? Can we not trust the one who has already demonstrated his power over death? and ability to give life. Can you not trust that same Jesus, that he will one day raise you from the dead? 1 John 3, 2, we're told, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. If Christ can give himself a new body, can he give you a new body? Which is easier, for a dead man to give himself a living body, or for the risen Christ who's now at the right hand of God to descend to give you a new body? Which is easier? There is every reason to rejoice that the Lord will indeed fulfill that great promise. Christ has the power to defeat death. That's the message. He has the power to complete death, defeat death. He has the right to say, I give unto my sheep eternal life, and they shall never perish. He has the power to say, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though we were dead, yet shall he live. He has demonstrated by his own resurrection that he has the power and the authority to defeat death and give you eternal life. I read about a missionary in a place called the Ruku Islands. It's a chain of islands in the South Seas that used to belong to Japan. The missionary was a man called Dr. Bull, and he found on the island, and I hope I can say this, it's probably a Japanese name, Amajusa. There was discovered there uh, a mammoth grave, and a boulder marked its site. And on the inscription on the boulder read, Here lies the heads of 11,111 Christians in the year 1637. 
Now, that was the year that the Japanese exterminated all Christians, but only the heads were placed in the grave. Dr. Bull wanted to know more about this, and when he got back to the city of Nagasaki, he did some research on it, and it was discovered that when the Japanese heard that Christians preached and actually believed in the resurrection, that they would be raised from the dead, those cruel masters said, we'll fix that. We will cut their heads off, put their head in one massive grave, and destroy their bodies elsewhere. That won't hinder the Lord on the resurrection day. Jesus' words are certainly accurate here. Ye do err, not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God. And if you think today that this resurrection hope of the Christian is false, you err, not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God. According to your faith, be it unto you. And if you're sitting here filled with unbelief, scoffing at Jesus' name, do you think he will raise you up? Do you think that he will raise you to life? No, you must be saved. You must believe in this same Jesus as he shall return again. Christ has the power that's the message of the empty tomb and the resurrection today. He has the power to destroy Satan. Satan, of course, is the enemy, and he is the author of death. He is the one who wants to destroy your soul in hell, and he holds men captive at his will. But Christ is come to defeat Satan. He did that at the cross, and he can do it in your life today, and he can set you free. Jesus comes to reign as king in his spiritual kingdom. And, of course, he rules over men's hearts. The Lord is not working in his church today by a sword. This is the gospel of grace. He conquers hearts. He turns rebels to believers. And he makes men willing in the day of his power. And the Lord who rules from the doom has power to raise dead souls to spiritual life. I'm almost finished, but I want to tell you about an aged Jewess who was hospitalized during Easter season. While she was in that hospital, over the radio in her room, she listened to several messages which emphasized the triumph of the Messiah over death. Being a bit of a captive audience in the hospital, she listened at first reluctantly. But then strange thoughts began to fill her mind. What if we have actually missed something? When her husband came to visit, he talked to, she talked to him, and she said, I'm having strange thoughts that maybe we have missed something about the Messiah. Later she died. Those who knew her as Christians hoped that she did come to the faith. But I ask you that question. Could it be that you have been missing something? That Jewess knew so much of the Messiah, so much of the one who would come to redeem his people, and so do you. I'm sure if I had a questionnaire and asked you ten questions on the basics of Christ, life, death, and resurrection, you could answer them all. You would check every box. But could it be that you're missing something? 
and that is your own faith, your own trust, your own prayer to cry to the Lord to save you and one day raise you up from the dead. Do not miss the greatest story in all the world. And do not miss the fact that what goes up must come down again. This same Jesus shall so come in like manner. And don't miss that you are ready, waiting for his appearing. If you're not a Christian today, I beg you to trust the Savior. Do not leave this meeting a rejecter of the living Lord Jesus. Put your hope, your trust, your total soul's confidence in him alone. He will save you. His name is Jesus. This same Jesus will save you. He sh shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins, and he will save you. Trust him. If I can help you, would you please maybe just sit in the seat where you are where others go into the foyer, and I'll come and talk with you. And today you can be saved and sure of heaven.
listening to Let the Bible Speak. Again, I trust the Lord has already ministered to your heart and uh, given you a sight of the risen Lord Jesus. What did you take from that account of Dr. Bull in that land of Anaduza, where there was a boulder, a marker, a gravestone marker, marking the site of 11,101 Christians, and the date on it, 1637. What a, what a story. What an evangelistic effort was made in that century to reach men with the gospel and persecution, and yet the, the, the message of the gospel goes on. But uh, what a crazy idea that by separating the burial of people's heads from their bodies, that that would prevent the resurrection. What At least the, uh, the persecutors who did so got the message that, you know, Jesus has mighty power to save and mighty power to raise from the dead. And I assure you that all their tricks did not prevent the resurrection of those souls. And if you put your faith in the Lord Jesus, nothing, nothing will stop the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus. Although these bodies may return to dust, although we may be totally unrecognizable, our very skeletons may be dissolved, yet the Lord on that resurrection day will raise us up. He who created the world out of nothing and made the human frame from the dust is able to raise up our bodies, uniting us with our souls and presenting us right into glory. Jesus has the power. That's the message. Jesus has the power to raise men up from the dead. And of course, as we think of uh, our mortality, of how short life is, that death will come, we need a Savior such as the Lord Jesus. None other can raise men and women up from the dead. And with this hope, we can face the world, we can face the very realities of death and claim the hope of every Christian. May you do so today, and I trust that you will call on the Lord to save your soul. If you have done so, give me a call just to let me know. Or if you would like some help, feel free to give me a call, 604-576-1091, and I look forward to hearing from you. May the Lord bless you richly. Stay tuned now for the closing announcement. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca. CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian Church 
here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187-9058 Avenue, Surrey, B.C., V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway, on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak.